Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Gospel reading comes from Mark, the third chapter. Please stand as you are able. From Mark 3, 20-35, Jesus went home, and the crowd came together again, so that Jesus and the disciples could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons he cast out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. He replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. The Gospel of the Lord, the Word of God for the people of God. Like I said, I wanted to preach from the Genesis reading because we've heard these stories before, haven't we? Right? You know the story of Adam and Eve. You may not know all the details about it, but you know the premise of it. And unless we speak specifically about these, we make some assumptions that I think can be really unhealthy. And for many people, it drives them away from faith because they don't know how to reconcile faith. And so, Hadley, I want to apologize because I meant to say we were going to do a children's sermon, and then it just slipped my mind. But we're going to do it right now. So you paying attention? All right, we're going to do it as a group. Everybody know the story of the little train that could? Right? How does the... Uh, Tell me some of the things. What's the premise of the story, the little train that could? Tell me the, the, what's the overall moral or lesson you learned from it. Even if it's hard, keep on going, right? Because the whole story, in a nutshell, about the little train that could is this train is going up a hill, right? It's going up a mountain. And it's really having a hard time doing it. And so I think even in the books that I've read, a little train that could, what does the train do? The train speaks, right? And so it's, you're hearing the story of the train that can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. And it just, you can, you can, you can. Eventually it makes it up to the top. 
is the little train that could a factual story? Is there a train somewhere that speaks? No, right? It's not that this story actually happened that makes it important or meaningful for us. It's the fact in many ways in our lives it is still happening. Does that make sense? That we all have those struggles and doubts and I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And we have to continually tell ourselves, what's the refrain of the little train that could? I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Right? You can hear it. Boom, boom, boom. Right? So the moral, the moral, the thing with the story, it's not that it happened. It's that it's actually still happening. Not with an actual factual train that talks, but every day in our lives. Right? The reason why I bring that up, these Genesis stories, as I said before, can be such a blocking point for people and their faith. And this is what I mean by it. And if you've heard me say this before, I apologize. You'll hear me say it again because I think we just sometimes need to keep hearing things over and over. For confirmation, throughout my career, and maybe you've had to do it, you have to write a faith statement. What do you believe? And when I have youth write faith statements, I don't want them to regurgitate. Essentially, just tell me what you think I want you to say. Does that make sense? Don't just blow smoke and, whoa, this is great. And all they've done is write things that they know they've heard somebody else say, but they don't really think. I want to hear questions, doubts, concerns, all that kind of stuff. Over my 12 years of doing this so far, it's amazing how often, if one topic comes up more than anything else, youthful write at somewhere along the line, frequently at the beginning, school teaches me one thing, and church teaches me another. And they say this in reference to how the world started, in reference to creation. And what I frequently say, will always say back, whether I write it on it, or talk to people, whatever it might be, I say, when did church ever teach you that? Because they are assuming what the story means is not what it actually means. Because they are treating some of these stories in Scripture, such as Genesis 1, which is where we get the seven days of creation, and Genesis 2, where we get the story of Adam and Eve, or the man and the woman, where the man is created and then the woman is created out of the rib, they're, cre- they're treating these stories as factual. And in school, they learn evolution. And that is factual. And if they are both supposed to be factual and they say two different things, one of them has to be wrong, right? Correct? And you know which one they choose more times than not? what they learn in school. And I don't blame them if what they are, think they are hearing in church is that these stories are factual. I have no issue saying I believe in evolution. I have no issue saying I believe the Earth is 4.3 billion years old. Right? Um, I have no trouble saying I do not think there was a literal 
factual Adam and Eve. Or that I do not believe the world was created in seven days. I'm not saying there is not history contained within the Bible. There is a lot of history contained within the Bible. But the Bible is not a history book, and it is not just about recording history and conveying that on to people. The Bible is a book, books, written by many people over many periods of time that is trying to convey meaning. Who are we? Who is God? And what does it mean to have this call placed on us to be God's child? To live as God's child. And that's what these early stories, particularly in Genesis, Genesis 1 through 12, because in 12, that's where you get Abraham, and the way I understand it, that's where history actually starts to enter into the Bible, is with the call of Abraham and that forward. And even then, that's not as clean as we would like it to be. But these stories, 1 through 12, are more about understanding the world, who we are, what's our place in it. And so we can't read the Bible literally. And so what I like to say, it doesn't have to be factual for it to be true. I'm going to talk about what I mean by that in a minute. But this is also, right away, I don't think the Bible allows us to read it literally. How many days, uh, in Genesis 1, how many days of creation? and God rested on the seventh day, right? In the first Genesis story, Genesis 1, when were the man and woman created? Day 6. And they were created together. Equally they are created, right? You have everything else, all, everything's created, and then God creates humans, man and woman. Humankind, God creates them. He doesn't just call them good, calls them very good. Creates them in His image. Now we get to Genesis 2, and don't worry, we're going to do Genesis 3 in my sermon. This is all important, earliest stuff. Then we get to Genesis 3, or Genesis 2. And Genesis 2 goes like this. The earth was dusty, as opposed to being chaotic waters in Genesis 1, right? So it's dusty, it's dry, and God creates man out of it. And then God creates everything else. And then God says, oh, it's not good for man to be alone. So what does man create, or God create? God creates all the animals. And then it says, it's not, there's not a suitable helper. And so who, what does God create? God creates the female. And now we get how the rest of the story goes. If we read the Bible literally, we have Genesis 1 that says, Man and woman are created at the end, together, equally, in God's image. Or, we have Genesis 2 that says, man was created, everything else was created, then woman was created as a helper. If we read literally, which one are we picking literally? And if we pick one of them to read literally, what does that do to the other story? It means it's not true, which means what can we not, how can we not read the Bible anymore? Literally. Does that make sense? Hence, a lot of these stories in Scripture, not all of them by any means, it is rooted in history. A lot of the stories. 
But these early Genesis stories are not about them actually happening. Rather, they are about things that are going on in the world at that time that are still going on in the world today that are still happening. Does that make sense? So then the question becomes, here we are in Genesis 3. What is happening then that is still happening today? How do we peel back these layers and get to these things? Because that's how the Bible is so incredibly relevant. And I hate that word, but it so works. That shows how it's relevant because people are people. Right? Wherever you go, they're your problems. And that has been true for history. We always still struggle since the beginning of time with greed, anger, violence, lust, you can gluttony, sloth, right? We need to go through the seven deadly sins. Right? They've always been around. Then, they're still around now. So the same way we talked about that little story, the little pain that could, the point of that story is not that it happened. It's that it's still happening. The whole point of Genesis 3 here is not that it happened but that it is still happening. So what is still happening? Here's where we are in the story. We already said in Genesis 2, man is created, everything's created, it's not good for man to be alone, so the animals are created, they're not a suitable partner, a suitable helper, so the woman is created, and then God says, all right, you have all of this to enjoy, except do not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. So they're wandering about, and what do they decide to eat from? The fruits of the tree in the garden. And that's where we get the conversation between the woman and the serpent, right? Because the serpent says, don't trust God. God doesn't know what God is talking about. Trust me instead. I know more than what God knows. So don't listen to God. Listen to me. Who does the serpent choose? Uh, who does the woman choose to listen to? The serpent. The serpent oh, the woman takes the apple, bites it, goes to the man. Right? You should eat this. I don't think God says we should. Don't listen to God. We know more than God. The serpent knows more than God. Oh, okay. So the man eats. Now, as it says here, after they eat, what do they notice about themselves? They're naked at that point. According to the story, they didn't realize it beforehand. They realize that now. We're going to come back to that. So now we enter into the scripture for today. God comes and is looking for the man and the woman. He cannot find them. Because the man and the woman are hiding. And why are they hiding? Because now they're naked and they're afraid. How many people, if you were naked, want to be found? We're hiding as hard as we can, can't we? 
right? No way do we want to be seen. Because is there a more insecure state to be in? Everything exposed. You cannot be more vulnerable than in that state. That's part of the reason why when Jesus was crucified, while we have images of Christ crucified with a cloth, right? It does not say he was cloth, clothed, covered with a cloth. But yet it is humiliating to be exposed in that way because you cannot be more vulnerable. So here is the thing that's happening. Whose voice do we listen to? We hear the voice of God and what God says Yesterday, today will be the same thing that God says tomorrow. You are loved. Who you are right now is enough. You are mine. There's nothing you can do to make me love you more. There's nothing you can do to make me love you less. This is the whole point of Genesis 1. God created the world. God saw all that God had made and called it very good. Thank you for including the very good. Everything else is good, 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 good until you get to the end. And the God looks at everything and says it's very good. Please don't ever forget that very good. Adam and Eve, all of a sudden, they don't trust what God has said. They trust other voices in their head. Other voices in the world. Other voices that says what God is saying is a lie. And when we trust those other voices, the truth becomes what we believe. All of a sudden, maybe I'm not enough. All of a sudden, maybe I need more. All of a sudden, maybe if I had, then I would be. Has anybody ever played that game before? If I had, fill in the blank, then I would be as if you are incomplete now, right? But, you know what would make my life complete? It could be as insignificant or it could be big. It could be what's in your bank account. It could be what's in your garage. It could be the amount of friends you have on. It could be the food on your plate. It could be any number of things. We all fill it in in a different way. But it is we need to recognize we all have it. And to name what is that voice we listen to that if we had, then we would be. You see how the whole story of the man and the woman in the garden, it's not that it happened. It's that it is still happening. Does that make sense? Not that it happened, but it is still happening. It is not as if there was something special about the fruit that they ate. Does that make sense? Almost as if if we just avoid that fruit, it was like magic beans, but they're like anti-magic beans. It's not the fruit it's the act of mistrust. 
that brings it in. Does that make sense? And I think we need to make that shift as a people also. We want to live our lives and avoid sin. Can I just do sin management? Tell me the rules. What can I do? What can I not do? And if you haven't said what I can't do always, it almost frees us up to do whatever we want, right? Well, we can now play the rules. We can make twists. We can justify. We can work the system, right? But that's not what it's about. If it is about where we place our trust, that influences everything, doesn't it? Because if we trust what God has said is enough, we are enough, how does that affect the way you treat other people? How does that affect the way you treat your loved ones? Who are easy to Most should be, hopefully, easy to If you are secure in who God made you, how does that affect the people who drive you nuts? The people you don't like? Bill and Jerry are laughing right now because so the people who drove you nuts. I'm not saying they're referring to each other, but maybe they're referring to each other. How does it affect the people you can't stand? How does it affect how you feel about the people who can't stand you? Why do you have those harsh relationships? Is it them? Or is there something within you that you're not dealing with and you're taking it out on them? I've never done that before. I don't know about you. You see how we need to read the stories differently in Scripture. Once we start asking the question, did they occur? Did it actually happen? We are missing We are already off track. It is not about that. It is about how they are still happening. God loves you. Nothing you do to make God love you more, nothing you do to make God love you less. God loves the people you love. There's nothing you can do to make God love them more. There's nothing they can do to make God love them less. God loves the people you hate. Nothing they can do to make God love them more, nothing you can do to make God love God loves the people who hate you. How do we live from that place? It doesn't mean we're going to make all right decisions. Does that make sense? But it changes the posture in which we enter into relationships. It changes the way we interpret what is being done. It changes the way we understand what we are doing. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.